African jungle, a small monkey is captured. Bound for a pet store in America, the animal carries a deadly virus. Now, I know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do. We'd be less than human if we didn't. But the fate of the nation, perhaps the world, is in our hands. We cannot, we dare not refuse this burden. God forgive us. We got 19 dead. You got 100 more infected. It's spreading like a brush fire. What are you talking about? If one of them's got it, then 10 of them have got it now. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, we have a very interesting problem. Try to remain calm. Many people are dying and are going to continue to die unless we find this monkey. There will be panic the likes of which we have never seen. There you are. Many of you will recognize that was the trailer for the 1995 movie Outbreak. It has a veritable who's who of the 1990s in there. Everyone from Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Kevin Spacey, Cuba Gooding Jr., not Cuba, Donald Sutherland, uh, Patrick Dempsey is in there, maybe slightly before his heyday. Um, if, of course, if you did not recognize the great Morgan Freeman playing General Billy Ford in the trailer, then you, you just weren't listening or you, you haven't been alive in pop culture uh, for, for, for at any time, really. Um, there's, there's so many aspects of that trailer that are worth remarking on before getting on to actual substantive issues here. One is you got to love the in a world quality of the trailer. And uh, in a world is actually a movie um, that we'll, we'll reference a little later in the show here, but um, it, it talks about essentially movie trailer voiceovers and, and that uh, industry. And uh, I would also argue that movie trailers hold up less well, much less well than, than movies even do. Uh, depending on the decade, depending on the time, depending on the movie, things hold up differently. Movie trailers almost uniformly hold up terrible. I also love and hate how Donald Sutherland plays perhaps a likable person in the beginning and then becomes this sort of evil person bent on destruction uh, before long. And uh, it also happens that he's the stereotypical military guy playing that role in this movie. And Dustin Hoffman, I, I can't remember the movie well enough to know if he's technically a military guy or technically a civilian. I think probably the former, but, you know, the sort of, you know, man of the people stands up to the evil military person is quite worn. And uh, I, I think really, not that I'm upset or offended, but really continues a stupid stereotype of the military that persists to to this day in, in the minds of actual people in terms of how, <laughs> how military people think, how they follow orders, and uh, that they perhaps uh, often are devoid of actual um, objective and independent ethical reasoning. And uh, the, the last thing, it's, it's scary in a sense that a little girl is finding this monkey at the end of the trailer. But I just, <laughs> I just love the timing of the monkey screech right at the end of the trailer as she talks to it. It's, it's, it's so good, it's absurd. Um, 
So, uh, but as, uh, as someone who has, has kids and comes from a medical family, obviously uh, that's <laughs> potentially a very scary scene, but I have no doubt, again, not remembering the movie that well, I have no doubt that um, the good guys uh, get there just in time to find the monkey and save the little girl. I think perhaps for people who come from university or come from the military, perhaps are slow to realize the political games and uh, lack of ethics that is pervasive in the workplace, especially towards the more ambitious ends of the workplace. The, I, I, the idea of politics is hard to wrap your head around in the workplace and um, can be a painful experience for people starting out. I know after the military, it, it took me, has taken me a long time to get used to it. I'm not saying I play political games. I don't endorse them. I don't like them. But a family friend of mine um, used to say, you have to know the game that's being played and how to play it. And you need to know who's playing it. And if you don't know those things, and if you don't approach people with at least a little bit of doubt, depending on the situation, then you may end up making some really suboptimal choices or you may end up getting hung out to dry. Your town is being quarantined. One example of this, and, and the reason I started with the outbreak trailer, is because I think infection and disease can be, in some cases, at some times, a model for how to view the workplace and how to view people you can trust. So if you have a leader in your organization and that leader is above you, it may be really easy to identify them as being a terrible leader or a terrible person, a person that you cannot trust. That, that, that could be very easy. A lot of, we won't address the cases where it's not. What's trickier is knowing how to deal with your peers, your manager, and other players in that organization under and around that leader. I think that in my experience, your guard needs to be raised whenever you come across someone like that, not just towards them, because them they, by being visible, are not as much of a threat. They're, they're an overt threat, let's call them. The problem is with all of the quote-unquote nice people, all of the friendly people, all of the reasonable people that are in the organization as well. And it becomes very hard to know who to trust. I would argue that the people who are closest to that person, either organizationally or historically, let's say they were childhood friends, let's say they had worked together and one brought the other to this company. In those cases, you should regard that nice person as infected. In the end, if there is some disagreement between you and this bad actor, this third-party bad actor, that nice person is probably not going to side with you. And especially if there's some historical relationship there that pre predates you, or if they simply work together more than you do. 
I mean, you can play all sorts of analytical games about who benefits from what and who's friends with who and look at the whole network in the organization. Th those are political games and political assessments that some people do, perhaps a lot of people do in their head or even on paper in their spare time outside of work trying to maneuver. Uh, I, those kind of things disgust me, even for people who are, are good actors. I just think it's ultimately an extreme waste of time, especially in the Western world where there is, I think, a, a little more ability to trust people. The greatest medical crisis of all time. We can't stop it. Begins. That person probably has inherited behaviors, traits, and approaches, ethical norms from that bad actor. And even though they don't manifest explicitly within that quote-unquote good person, they might be there latently. Just simply by the fact that they stay around that person, associate with, with that person, have a historical relationship with that person, makes them extremely untrustworthy, in my opinion, and extremely dangerous to you and the people that you care about. So again, regard them as infected. And then I would take it maybe a step further. People who are around that person, so you got quote-unquote, I'm going to stop calling them quote-unquote. I'm going to call them person B. So person A is the bad actor. Person B is this person who is seems good on the outside, seems nice and reasonable. They're infected. Now you need to look at the next order of people around them and maybe assume that there's some chance those people are infected as well. I'm not saying you need to be paranoid all the time. I'm not saying you need to, you have to distrust everybody. But I think that this mental model will help you figure out what to do. I've been in many situations where in the last nine years since business school and, um, you know, late, nearing 20 years in my career where you've had a person be and that person becomes some sort of hope for you or for other people. But that hope n never or seldom comes through for you. Chances are there's some character flaw, there's some weakness in person B that keeps them in bed with person A, the bad actor. Bug gets out of there. 260 million Americans will be dead or dying. Another way to use the infectious disease model here is if you have a person in your organization, so let's say you're the leader, hopefully you're not person A, the bad actor. It's a way to think about people who maybe aren't the right cultural fit or who are excessively negative or have other qualities but some charm and charisma that enable them to influence other people, you can view that as an infection too. And I've heard HR people when it's time to let people go, to fire people, to use analogies of this sort, that it's like a wound that will just fester or... Um, you know, it, it's going to affect everyone. So I, I, I think that without using the disease terminology per se very much, it, it actually is the kind of model that they have in their heads. And it's, it's better to 
cure that disease before it spreads rather than most of the time rather than than trying to fix that person. I would layer on to this model a an enhancement factor for charisma. So if you've got a very charismatic leader or someone who is, is at least well-spoken, perhaps very intellectual, they will have an inordinate ability to infect people who are otherwise psychologically or ethically healthy. There's something about a type of person who is afraid to get away from person A where there's an underlying motivation that's driven by fear or lack of self-esteem. And if they're afraid to leave the organization or if they're afraid to break their relationship with person A or if they somehow get something psychologically or tangibly from person A over time and through their relationship with them or just tolerating them, when the shit hits the fan, when the rubber meets the road, whatever cliche you want to use, they're going to act out of those same motivations, fear, that have driven them to stay with person A. They're not going to change their underlying decision calculus or their approach to life. Their approach to life is what keeps them there and that is what is going to make them susceptible to being infected by person A even, even more. For those of you who want to pack up your tools and go home, do as you will. The rest of us are going to get all the way wet. Footnote number one, I intentionally didn't use a patient zero analogy in this episode. I recognize that the person A, person B vernacular may have been hard to follow and is altogether uninteresting. I love naming things. I may have failed with my terminology this time. This model will continue to be evolved and I might come up with better terms next time around. Footnote number two, and maybe with a few inception footnotes. Very early in this episode, I referenced the movie In a World, starring Lake Bell. By the way, one of the quotes that is over the trailer when you watch it on YouTube says that Lake Bell is a triple threat to watch out for. And when I saw the movie, I believe the same thing, although I don't feel like I've seen her in much lately, which is unfortunate. So hope Lake Bell comes back. You might also notice Nick Offerman in the trailer briefly. He plays a bigger role in the movie. Uh, that's Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. I also love the quote in the middle of the trailer that she could be the voice of Sunny Delight. And as someone who appreciates good commercials and appreciates good voiceover, I identify with that a lot in true excitement of the characters in the trailer. Uh, the, the commercial voiceovers that I love the most are the ones for Home Depot and Lowe's. There's just something about them. Gene Hackman used to do Home Depot, I think, and, and the Home Depot commercials are now voiced by a guy named Josh Lucas, real uh, good-looking guy with obviously a great voice. And he was in 
a bunch of movies actually over time, including a, a, also a TV show called The Mysteries of Laura, who had the actress from Will and Grace. And uh, he just, <laughs> he does the most captivating commercials ever. And uh, the other thing I like about Home Depot commercials is they're just rich, full of opportunity. At least that's how I see it every time I walk into a Home Depot. Even though, to be honest, I'm not the uh, handiest person. I can, I can do a thing or two, but I, I'm not, uh, you know, doing uh, this old house or, uh, or any crazy uh, makeovers or, or crazy projects. On the off chance you think I'm the only one who enjoys these Home Depot commercials so much, there's a whole cottage industry on TikTok of people doing videos to the commercial soundtrack. There's even a mashup of the ad jingle with JT's classic, Sexy Back. Here, without further ado, is the trailer to the great movie In a World. Hope you check it out and hope you enjoy. In a world. In a world. 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 In a world. Hey, make sure your phone's turned off. I think we're getting some feedback out here. Oh. Uh. Sorry. Duh. Ready, ready. This Wednesday, one woman will teach another woman. <clears throat> I just woke up, so my voice is cold. Let's face it, the industry does not crave a female yeah, sound. Yeah, Dad, you may be painfully aware of that my whole Look, life. Not being sexist, that's just the truth. Okay. You should stick with the accents. That's what you're good at. What was that great, that Russian Star Wars thing you used to do as a kid? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. But... Please, let me hear <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I just love that. It's so random. I've been working. The vocal coaching, right? Hello, Carol. Eva Longoria. Stop what you think, you stupid slapper. Eva, could you just put the cork back in your mouth and work on those vowels? Thank you. You make a choice. I might be the voice of Sunny Delight. Sunny D. Next up, lemon drop shots on me. I'll see you. I'll see you tonight then. All right. Okay. I know she hung up already. Is that obvious? I lost it to a broad? Are you kidding me? Nowadays, they're flying planes. They're taking jobs. That's just the reality. Welcome to today's world. Let's give the voiceover industry something to talk about here. What do you say? Sorry, I got carried away there. There's a great big epic coming down the pike. The Amazon Games. It's about these fierce, mutated female Amazonian warriors battling clone prehistoric cavemen hybrids. It's all based on the Prussian War. And everybody's in a huff, I guess. They're reinstating the hokey in a world gimmick. In a world. Your dad is so hot. My, 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 my. Ugh. Chim, chimmery. Nope, you can slap up. This Wednesday, one woman will teach another woman to sound a little less. Can I get a smoothie around here? I don't know where you'd get a smoothie around here at all. I'm so oh, sorry. Okay, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. In a world. In a world. In a world. Well, cannot wait to see that movie.
Productions. Music by Paul Shridar. If you like his music, you can find him on Spotify. There's a link in the show notes. You can also trust him with your children. Trust me. I know. The helicopter fillers you heard come courtesy of Mike Koenig. Thanks, Mike. Few things are as comforting as a powerful rotor shop. Speaking of which, if you like Warrior Poet, you might love our sister series, 100% Indivisible, a podcast about Merca. Warrior Poet is produced by Laddie, with special contributions by Spoonman and me, Shree. No, 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 Kevin. Mina do it. Spita.